I'm going to go back to it. It's a self-acceptance thing. Yeah. But you got to know what your truth is. And you have to be willing to say no. Yeah. And you have to be willing to listen to no. And I have a kind of a radical thought here, which is we usually hear the word no as a, I don't want to say a punishment, but as a, some kind of deterrent. Mm-hmm. But what if, what if we learned to hear the word no as a gift? This week, what does having an ego in marriage mean? How can ego help your marriage? Dr. Noelle Nelson explains. Stay tuned. I'm going to keep this short. First, thank you for listening. If you're a regular listener, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review on whatever platform you listen to us on. This will help others discover us. Also, if you like the podcast, I highly recommend visiting our website, hitchedmag.com, which is updated daily with new content and where you will find thousands of articles available anytime. Lastly, I understand that not everything we talk about applies to everyone. However, I am confident that if you go to hitchmag.com and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, that you will find at least one and probably more pieces of information each week that will help your marriage thrive. I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the very brilliant, long-time contributor, Dr. Noelle Nelson. Hi, Noelle. Hi, Steve. Uh, So, Noelle, for those tuning in for the first time, or maybe it's just been a while, is a uh, clinical psychologist, a consultant, a popular speaker in the U.S. and abroad, is the author of many, many best-selling books. Uh, Her most recent is Happy, Healthy, Dead, Uh, and uh, her most recent relationship book, I believe, is Dangerous Relationships. Uh, you can get this information and much more at her website, noellenelson.com. So, uh, with that being said, today, Noelle has uh, given me a series of questions uh, we, where we will discuss you, your ego, and the health of your marriage. So, I, I'm sure we are. We all agree that any in any good marriage can't be all about me, 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 uh, and let me tell you more about me. Um, so, other than the obvious, like not being selfish, what would one's ego have to do with a healthy marriage? Well, I think the first thing that that I'd like to bring up, Steve, is most people think of ego as the selfish side of ourselves, and certainly that's a part of it. But really, the ego is what mediates between what Freud called the id, which is simply your very primitive subconscious urges, like, you know, to eat, to make babies, to sleep, that sort of thing, and uh, also your survival instincts. So between the id and your superego, which is where your 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 higher consciousness lives, which again sounds fancy, but all it really means is your values, your belief system, your purpose in life, those sorts of things. So you've got the ego that basically is trying to help you get through life, uh, 
both in terms of your basic survival and in terms of your higher stuff, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, what that has to do with a healthy marriage is you can't possibly love another truly until you love yourself, but not in the sense of, I need to go to the spa again, but more in the sense of acceptance of who you are as you are. Because as we well know from other podcasts, Steve, and other um, professionals on your show, is that we can all too easily criticize others, and we tend to do it in a marriage in a way that gets to be destructive. Mm-hmm. So, if you're not accepting of your own, for example, let's take the, the obvious one, of your own body image, of your own body shape, chances are pretty darn good you're going to stare at your spouse and find something wrong with theirs. Mm. Okay. So, in other words, loving yourself isn't so much in this context about, you know, what body lotion I'm going to use, but it's a lot more about accepting. Accepting yourself, which then is the groundwork for accepting others. Got it. Uh, okay, so this I'm I'm, I'm glad and you made that. There's more. <laughs> yeah, no, I knew I knew there was more, and I'm I'm glad that we started out with making this distinction of the ego as something that is uh, restricted to one just being selfish as opposed to being self acceptant accepting. Yes, yes. So that's great. Yes. Um, okay, so then I I I feel like I get a good handle on that. So uh, self care means no, nope, we're not there yet. Oh, we're, we're not, not there, there yet. yet. Okay, no. There's, there's more to this oh, first okay. part. I, I probably should have um, parsed out the questions a that's little a, bit no, more that's okay. specifically. But here's the thing. Okay, so accepting yourself as you are means that you, in, in addition to just accepting, doesn't mean you sit on the couch like a lazy slob. That's not what self-acceptance is. Self-acceptance is, in addition to accepting the who I am, it's also taking care of business of who I am. Mm. Follow me on this. Okay. It is being responsible for your health, being responsible for your contribution to the family finances, being mindful about what you need to do to improve yourself, if such is your desire, to improve your life, if such is your desire. Self-acceptance is not about lying around like a schlub. So as part of, so as part of this, of accepting of the ego and self-acceptance, uh, there, with that comes a responsibility of kind of squeezing out um, your capabilities of once you've accepted this is who you are and this is what you're yes. capable of, now yes. you have a responsibility to act on your potential? Yes, you do. You totally do. And here's where the marriage gets compromised, if you okay. will, is when you start relying on your spouse to do that. Now, I'll give you a sort of uh, very mundane example, which is it is often said that men uh, are healthier in marriages because their wives nag them to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Men, you're all grown-ups. You shouldn't need to be nagged to go to your doctor. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because that is being selfish in the, in the sense of now you're, you're, you're handing over your self-care to your spouse. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you accepted the fact that, you know, in order to stay healthy, I recognize that I need to see my physician, I don't know, once a year, whatever is your thing, is, is don't, don't rely on your spouse to nag you. Why? What is she? Your school teacher? Your mother? No. 
She's your lover. She's your significant other, your partner. So treat her as such. You take responsibility. So let's say that you, you know you have a nasty habit of overspending. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the month, you've gone beyond your paycheck. Okay? So, you know, you, you're cute and charming and you smile at your spouse and you get quotes alone. <laughs> you get an extra, I don't know, 100, 200, whatever it is that you want. And you just you know, blithely go about your life. But you see, that again, that is selfish in the, in, the, in the small sense of the word. You are not attending to your self-care. If you truly accepted that, you know what, I have this nasty habit, I overspend, and sure enough, by the end of the month, here we go. Well, wait a minute. I can take responsibility for that. Now I have literally freed my spouse to be themselves. Mm-hmm. So, but so getting back to taking action, taking responsibility for yourself, yes. uh, better. So not only do you create a better self, but you then empower your spouse to be a better them because they no longer have Correct. the responsibility of being a caretaker for you. Correct. And you will hear, uh, I mean, I certainly hear a fair number of wives complain that their mates expect them to be their mothers. And then on the other side of it, I, I hear a fair number of men complain that their spouses expect them to be an indef, you know, infinite wallet. Mm-hmm. And neither one is self-care. <laughs> right. And, and um, just to kind of throw it out there, uh, this is not to say that you can't um, divvy up responsibilities so that oh, one goodness. person might tackle one of these things right. uh, because that is an agreed upon yes. uh, solution for the two of you, even though it's like, yeah, I could do this, right. but part of the benefit of being in a relationship, and if anybody's been on a factory, you know, like sometimes it's better for one person to handle just one thing. Right. Than everybody trying to handle all things. Absolutely. And that's part, again, I'm going to come back to it, of the good sense of selfish in terms of self-acceptance, which is, you know what? I'm better at, I don't know, balancing our budget, and you're better at whatever. Mm-hmm. And they, up to them, of course, to say, well, I'm better at whatever. And then you come to, as you said, the key word, Steve, is agreement. Right. Agreement. Then there's no, nobody's nagging anybody. Nobody's, uh, you know, uh, expected to be the, the infinite wallet. It's, it's, there's an agreement. And then, then there's a responsibility of sticking to it. Right. Because I was just thinking, so uh, it's funny that you brought up the, um, the health thing with the spouse nagging the other mm-hmm. person to go to. So, uh, so Jess, my wife, she, she will make my doctor's appointments for <laughs> me, but I go to them. <laughs> she never right. has to nag me. She makes the appointment right. and I go to it. Right? Um, right. And that is something that we agreed to and vice right. versa. While she could make her own lunch or dinner, um, right. I make food for her because right. that is again, the agreement that we've come to. So, right. um, self, uh, self-care, self-reliance doesn't mean that you have to do everything no. uh, for yourself. No. It means that you take on whatever responsibilities you guys have agreed upon seriously, right. to heart. Right. You do it. Like you said, you she makes the appointments, but you go. Right? Yeah. You cook the food, she eats it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> That's a right. pretty good deal. <laughs> yeah. But that keeps, you can feel, I mean, I'm sure our, our, our listeners can feel how that promotes harmony and peace and a sense of safety within the marriage. Yeah. I mean, really, it was um, 
throughout the years that we've been together and we've been together for a couple decades now, uh, it really has been finding the role for each of us that makes us efficient and happy and understanding. And, you know, the interesting or the great thing about it too, is sometimes we can't live up to the role that we've promised uh, Mm -hmm. for whatever circumstance or reason. And then we will just let the other person know, like, you know what, I can't do that today, or I can't do that this week because I got all these other things going on. And then the other person picks up the slack. Sure. But it gets back to all the other things that we've talked about many times about communication and expectation and all that other stuff. So, yes. And again, if we go back to the definition of ego as that, which mediates between sort of your baser instincts and your higher stuff, Mm. you can see how this makes sense. Right. Totally. Yeah. Because it's not about, and, and we'll get into that in a moment, it, it's not about right or wrong. It's about what works. Yes. And yeah. figuring out what works has a lot to do with self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, moving on. We, we, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, so self-care, as we've just been talking, means that you're not relying on your spouse to be the provider of all things. So then how else does ego play a role? Now, this is going to sound... Um, counter, but it's not. Okay. It's stand up for what you know to be your truth. Okay. So both listen to what your spouse has to say, but don't always take it as your truth. In other words, it's up to you to use your head, your understanding of yourself to listen respectfully, and then if need be, figure out something different together. But it's very important that you Stand up for what you knew to be your truth. Mm-hmm. If your truth is, I love to cook, I absolutely love to cook, then there should be a way to work out with your spouse that you, Steve, and are the one that prepares the meals. Mm-hmm. That's your truth. Yeah. Her truth is, you know, I'm darn good at scheduling, among other things, of course. But that's her truth, and so she's willing to stand up for it. So that's holding on to your power, yeah. which is not a selfish thing. I'm going to go back to it. It's a self-acceptance thing. Yeah. But you you got to know what your truth is. And you have to be willing to say no. Yeah. And you have to be willing to listen to no. And I have a kind of a radical thought here, which is we usually hear the word no as a, I don't want to say a punishment, but as a some kind of deterrent. Mm-hmm. But what if, what if we learned to hear the word no as a gift? Can I just say, so, okay, so I have a little story about that. Goody. I, I love that idea and concept and philosophy because when I was in college and um, I, I got my degree in journalism and one of my professors right before um, I graduated said, okay, now you're going to have to go out into the real world and you're going to have to pitch stories to publications and you're going to get rejected. You're going to be told no. Um, and he said, and this is the part that I remember where it comes into play here. When you start getting the letters saying that your story has been rejected, that is a good sign because that means you're really close. Because most of the time when you're told no, you don't, you don't even get the verbal response or the written response, it just disappears. You send off a query and it just goes into the ether. Whereas when you start being told no, 
that means you're really close to getting accepted. That means it got up far enough into the chain where an editor read your pitch and it was being considered. And I always took that as such a positive sign uh, whenever I would receive a rejection letter of like, oh my God, like they're reading it's, I'm close enough that they're reading my stuff. Yes. Um, so I, I love that idea. And then the other thing, and I'm sure you're about to talk about this, but I'm going to toss it out there ahead of you. Maybe I'll (laughs) jump in front of the cart here. Uh, when, when you start throwing out those nose, it opens you up for those opportunities where you're better suited sometimes. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love what your story is so perfect because no is but a prelude to yes. Mm -hmm. It just may not be the yes in the form that you expected it. Like you expected your article to land an entrepreneur and eventually it landed in ink. (laughs) So the form is is different. Uh, But there will be a yes as long as you're willing to see no in the positive way. Yeah. That's not easy. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because I feel like uh, me being in a somewhat creative industry where it's all about throwing out ideas and I'm I'm working on another book right now. Mm -hmm. And it's like part of it's kind of scary because you write, you write, you write, you think, you ponder, you research, you put words down and then you submit it. And then um, like the no doesn't necessarily mean wrong. Right. Correct. And Correct. it just means it's not working or it's not in the proper voice or it's not flowing with something else that's been written. It's not okay. you're a terrible person or you can't write. It's we need to continue to work this out. We need to continue to make it uh, to 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 push through um, yes. all, all the whatever the issues are. Right. And to, to what you just said about the no is a prelude to the yes. Um, I think some of the best things that come are through working through those things because you gain knowledge in each one of those no's. Yes. And so when you do get the yes, you have a better understanding of why that worked because you've already worked out the things that weren't flowing properly. And that I feel like that applies to all things in life. So, yes. Yeah, that's and great. Very, very much to working things out in a relationship, in a marriage. Because if you start hearing no as a bad thing or giving no as a bad thing, then you 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 literally abort the possibility of that working through th- to the yes. Mm-hmm. So it's very important to to take the onus off the no. And right. see it more like your editor or your teacher uh, showed you in relationship to writing. Which, by the way, if you ever want to have an experience of what it's like to do your work 5,000 times is write a screenplay. <laughs> yeah. And 17 drafts later, you had better still be good with the 17 drafts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and anytime you read about a successful screenwriter, you'll, you'll hear about that. And probably also with uh, authors mm-hmm. as, as well. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I, you know, the, the other, the one other thing that I wanted to point out, um, particularly when it comes to marriage is so, and we get into this about, um, being re- reflexive and responses of, you know, mm-hmm. your spouse approaches you with something and you just, re- no, not now, you know, you don't even, mm-hmm. 
you're not even open to the suggestion of what they might be asking. Right. And so this gets into being mindful because like, how could I learn from the no, if I'm not using it as this positive and as this, okay, so why did they tell me no? And then trying to figure out, okay, how do I move forward from it? And if you're in a relationship and you're just being reflexive to whatever your spouse asks of you or suggests to you or makes whatever comment, then you can't possibly use that feedback in a positive way because you haven't absorbed what they're even saying. So this gets into, again, stuff that we've talked about in the past about being mindful in your relationship. So I just wanted to throw that out there as well. And the point you make, Steve, underlines what is true selfishness. True selfishness is not being mindful. Mm. Because you're going back to the original definition of the ego yes. and the id, right? Yes, yes. It's just, like you say, reflexive. Yeah. Which is not a fun way to live, frankly. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it, it, <laughs> honestly, it's how uh, people will float through life, float through mm-hmm. years, and it's just like, you know, what it... it uh, snap of the finger and it's like, well, what'd you do? What'd you accomplish? Right. And it was like, well, they were just on a path that right. they just didn't think about. And right. this is how you kind of snap yourself out of that and start accomplishing things that you want to achieve. Yes. You start being Absolutely. thoughtful and mindful of it. So, yeah. um, okay. So, did so you have more, yeah. What it means is that you need to park your, Oh, I know where I am now. Okay. Yeah. So being able to view no as a positive and holding on to your power means you have to park your I'm right, you're wrong ego, the little ego, mm. outside of your marriage. Because, you see, it's that I'm right, you're wrong is what? It's the knee-jerk to survival. It's I don't know how else to deal with this, so I'm just going to assume I'm right, and therefore you must be wrong, mm. which is we we well know, and, and heaven knows we've done enough, and you have done enough podcasts on this, is that's death to a marriage. <laughs> right. Just death. I mean, try it a few times in your history. So, what's really important is that when I talk about in the, in the title of this, you know, parking your ego outside your marriage, that's the I'm right, you're wrong mm-hmm. portion of yourself that I'm talking about. That's pure survival. That's all it is. It's not bad. It's just survival. Yeah. And sometimes it's very important. I'm crossing the street. You're coming at me at, you know, 60 miles an hour. Well, guess what? I'm right. You're wrong. I'm getting out of the way. Right. <laughs> so it is survival. But it's rare that in a, a decent marriage we're talking about survival. Well, I was just going to say one last thing about that, and, and it's bringing it back to what you said earlier, is – uh, owning your own truth. Yep. And so um, just because you're right doesn't mean your spouse isn't right as well, right? Correct. So I think that's an, an important thing to play. Um, like you see this all the time where uh, two things can be true at the same time, even if they seem counter to each other. Yes. So someone can be an abuser and a victim at the same time. Absolutely. Uh, you know, that kind of a thing. Absolutely. Um. um Okay, so then what is the uh, practical way that parking your ego outside of your marriage supports the health of your marriage? We've sort of alluded to this already, Steve, yeah. but it's it opens the channels of communication. Okay. If I had to put it in one sentence, it makes communication possible. Right. You know, because now you're not you're not coming from my way or the highway. You're not coming from uh, I I'm going to be a lazy schlub and not attend to my own uh, business, self care of whatever ilk. 
So, so once, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, so it's really when, when, you know, cause we, this whole thing is about ego. So when, when mm-hmm. you park your ego outside of your marriage, what mm-hmm. you're really doing is allowing somebody else's ego to participate in the conversation. Yes. That's a beautiful way of saying it. And therefore we now have interaction and what is the basis of two people coming together? It is to be able to interact. It's not to sit on separate sides of the sofa. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, this is, uh, I hope this was enlightening for people. Did you have anything else <laughs> that you want? I know. I think it's super fascinating because this is like a little wonky, but it's also, I think so primal and base at the same time. Um, yeah. because this is, this gets into like why we do the things that we do. And I think so, you know, so much of what we do is done with just without much thought. And I feel like some of the biggest impacts in relationship, like we always look at the big things, you know, like we always look at, well, this person cheated on me or whatever. And it's these little things that you can do throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the year that, really have a tremendous amount of impact. Um, but they can, it can only happen if you start being thoughtful about them and implement those small little changes. And then before long, those habits become, uh, or those, those small actions become your habits and those small habits become your character. And then it's, you don't have to be as mindful about it because those, those become, right. Those become those reflexive things that we were talking about before. And so right now, a lot of people are on this broken record of just reflexively, no, 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 or don't talk to me now, or I'm too busy or like, that's the, the narrative that they've put in their head. And that's those little things that you really have to like get out of your head so that you can move forward and start this new cycle with a healthy ego, which is what we're talking about today. Yes. The mediator. That's all your ego is supposed to be, the mediator. Right. Um, And what what we don't often stop to think about is it's those little things that deaden a marriage, Mm -hmm. that erode a marriage. You say, I don't have time or enough to your spouse, and they stop coming to you. So what do you think they do? They go to someone else. Right. Right. And, and that, <laughs> yeah. And that's where you, then you then get the big catastrophe, right. catastrophic incident. And, um, this is what a therapist then tries to dig through of like, so why did it get to this point? And yep. then we get to our topic today. Exactly. Yeah. Um, before we go, is there anything else that you wanted to add? No, I just really appreciate the forum that you make possible through hitched for, all these different ways of approaching what is the single most significant relationship in our lives. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, well, I think so too, <laughs> which is why we do it. And, uh, and I'm so excited that we have hundreds of podcasts that people can go back and listen to, to find out all these little nuanced things that, we, you know, we continue to allude to in each of these episodes. So, um, thank you so much for your time, Noel. It is always a pleasure and look forward to doing this again very soon. Thank you, Steve. My pleasure. And before we go, I do want to remind everyone, you have been listening to Dr. Noelle Nelson, who is a practicing psychologist, who is a consultant, popular speaker in the U.S. and abroad, is the author of many, many best-selling books. Uh, She is the author of Happy, Healthy, Dead, What You Get 
wait, <laughs> happy healthy dead, why what you think you know about aging is wrong and how to get it right. Um, her most recent relationship book is Your Man is Dangerous. No, he's wonderful. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> I was thinking dangerous relationships, but you're right. It's Your Man is Wonderful. Thank you so much for correcting me on this. See, this is what I'm saying. Like you've written so many books and they're all so good. Um, I was just, I was honestly, I was on your website earlier today and I was looking at all and I was like, man, like this, you're, yeah, you're just so prolific in what you do. I, I love it. Um, uh, and so you can get this information. If you don't want to screw up all the book titles, you can go to her website, noelnelson.com and you can find all her books there. And uh, last thing I wanted to mention is uh, Noelle has this really great uh, Facebook group called Meet the Amazings. And so you can go to facebook.com forward slash Meet the Amazings. And it is um, a regular dose of people who are uh, 70s, 80s, 90s, 100 plus years old, doing really amazing things, physically active, um, engaging, living vibrant lives, lifestyles. Um, so if you ever feel like you need this like spark of inspiration, um, I actually just sent Noelle this morning a story of this woman who runs track and field competitions, and she's uh, 103 years old or something, and you know she's being trained by her son who's 80 years old. Uh, it's it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it's so great. It's so great. And so, um, yeah, you know, when when all you know when you're getting a little down by all the information that's coming at you, uh, check it out. It's Meet the Amazings. You can find it on Facebook. Uh, so one last time, thank you so much. And until next time, take care, everybody. everybody the world is ours tonight. The world is ours tonight. Tonight